another episode of Sam.Goods, Sam.Gov Bids Live, where we walk through small business solicitations together on Sam and answer your questions as we go along the way. Today, we actually have five small business solicitations pulled up that we will be jumping into a second. We'll see if we can get through all five. We typically do four, but I did find five that I thought were pretty good to take a look at. But first, if you are new here and you don't want to miss future Sam.gov bids episodes, consider subscribing to the channel and click that notification bell. I know everybody says that, but this way you can actually ask your questions live here with me and everybody else here in our community on uh, future streams together. And if you do happen to be somebody who has recently registered your business in Sam.gov and now you're looking to get started bidding on Sam.gov solicitations, like the ones that we go through together, check out my website, govkidmethod.com. There we have free and paid resources that were designed specifically to support new federal contractors going through this just like yourself. So we'll go ahead and take a peek at the five solicitations we will be jumping into today. Number one, we have a BPA, a blanket purchase agreement for cotton, sample hauling services okay it looks to me more of like a, a transportation type contract and that was the reason i pulled it number two environmental consulting services with uh, dot number three industrial hygiene survey for the let's see we know it's the army national guard Number four, we have a warrior fit program, which is also for Army National Guard. And I guess today is going to be Army National Guard Day because our last one is a Hawaii uh, Army National Guard Office of the State Surgeon. This is something I've actually done, um, not in Hawaii, but I've done it in a few states. Medical readiness support services. This one happens to be for psych psychological and uh, behavioral health services. Um, stuff that I did was more focused on medical readiness. So it was case management using nurses. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. So those are the five that we have to get through. And if you are new here, uh, like I said, um, we will uh, be going through these right now. Uh, in terms of questions, since we are live, we jump and answer questions uh, in between each bit example. So feel free to post whatever you have and we'll jump in and check the chat and hello and good afternoon um, for everybody joining. And uh, also, if you don't know, I don't go through these before we jump in them. I kind of pull my searches. I pull ones that look good. And then I look at them for the first time with you so that you can kind of get the real firsthand uh, experience, if you will, with it, instead of uh, me kind of bringing you the polished, edited versions of things um, where you may not learn as much from. I go through it uh, for the first time with you guys here live on the channel. And just so you know, in case you ever join later, you miss one of these, these are all available um, as pre-recordings uh, once the live has finished as well. So uh, now finally, let's go ahead and jump into our first. So again, this is a blanket purchase agreement, which is really, if you don't know what a BPA is, it means no actual dollars spent will result from the award of this particular solicitation what it does is, is it puts a a vendor or if it's a multiple award vendors in place on a vehicle and this allows contracting the opportunity to then come to you because you're essentially like pre-vetted or you're the one who is on the vehicle you will likely be submitting pricing so they will be relying on those rates that you would provide okay and often with bpas they give you an example um, service to price that they can, you know, base it off of because it's going to be something very similar to what they're going to need. Um, and then throughout the duration, whether it's, you know, one year or if it's got some option years on it, then uh, contracting will approach you with, you know, different requests, different quantities um, to use the BPA for as it relates to this buy. So $0 will be awarded as a result of this, but definitely, you know, we don't know the, the scope or magnitude of this yet, but dollars will definitely be awarded once the BPA is being used. Hopefully that makes sense. We don't see a whole lot of BPAs. So I just wanted to do a quick little plug. If you ever see BPA, that's what it means. This is a uh, department of agriculture, <clears throat> small business set aside, specialized freight trucking long distance. And that's the reason I pulled this because I know we have a lot of 
freight, trucking, hauling, and logistics companies uh, here on the channel and just in the community in general. They did give us a bit of a copy and paste, and I am going to wade through this, even though it's not terribly nice format-wise to get through, because I'm seeing a few things that are important for you to hear. They intend to procure the pickup of cotton sample sacks, okay, from a USDA facility and transport it to another USDA classing facility, okay? So from one to the other. They're going to award two BPAs, one east of the Mississippi River and one west of the Mississippi River. This will be for a five-year period and it's gonna be as an unneeded basis. That's why it's a BPA. They will award two BPAs resulting from this, like they mentioned. Basically, who is, based on what's most advantageous to the government, price and other factors considered. They're gonna be looking for in your proposal response, relevant experience, technical approach, past performance, price. Okay, so technical, past performance, pricing, and experience. In order to respond to this, um, they're saying definitely submit and check out section E of the RFP. So we will get into that. But that also includes signing the SF 1449 form. Okay, describing your experience. Hauling, let's see, commodities or similar products. If you haven't hauled cotton before, they're saying commodities or other similar products. Equipment and insurance requirements. If you're going to do this job, what would you propose? Three references. And these references can be, you know, they don't have to be on a government contract. So a lot of really, really great information there kind of got straight to the point. And that's why I went through that kind of slow. Also make sure obviously you're registered in SAM. And you're going to email your, your response to this Beverly Brown. In terms of attachments, which is what we have next, there's just one and it's just the solicitation document. And a lot of the important stuff we just went through. So, however, this is 222 pages long, 222. So we will be skipping through a whole bunch. So we have our SF-1449 form. They're giving you some limits here in terms of what they can purchase on the BPA. So max is 2 million. And a individual call limit. So say one would be 300,000 annually, or if it's going to be a credit card, it's going to be less than 10,000. Not a huge deal, but it kind of gives you some, some ballparks. So if you will bear, okay, we have the statement of work, so that's good. They're giving us, they're giving us addresses. They're giving us a lot. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten addresses. Okay. So from one office to another, but it says the USDA has ten cotton classing offices. The contractor may be needed to transport cotton to and from any of these below. Okay. So initially they made it sound like to here or from here to there. But now they're making it more dynamic by giving you 10 different addresses. They are all, uh, they're actually not. So we have California, Louisiana, Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, South Carolina, Arizona, and some more Texas. Okay, so this is multi-multi-state. They're giving you the, the stats for the, the sacks of cotton, approximately 20 pounds not going to be on pallets okay so you can go through some of those details we're going to try to pick up the pace 
do have a wage termination in here. So that'll account for a lot of the pages. Or, okay, so here we go. They're giving us, since it's like 10 locations, they're gonna give us 10 wage terminations or around there. So that's why this thing's 222 pages, massive. All right, so at the very end, they're giving us a picture of what the cotton sack looks like for reference. We do find pricing tables here tucked in at the very end. That's going to be based on CLIN001 price per mile and CLIN002 estimated price for 850 sacks. And it looks like they're doing this for all of the locations. And then they're stretching that out into additional columns for option year one, two, three, and four. So the pricing table is actually pretty straightforward just for each location, price per mile, and estimated price for 850 sacks. So you wanna make sure you fill out the pricing table on this. And that's where we get back to the wage terminations on our way back up. Now we did see in the stamp.gov listing page, which is what I'm looking for next, is instruction to offers and evaluation factors. So we do see basis for award here. Greatest overall value. And then they bolded other than cost or price are significantly more important than cost or price. So this is not going to be a LPTA lowest bid. In making these comparisons, the government is more concerned with obtaining a contractor with superior experience in providing this than they are with making an award on lowest overall cost. So that spells it out for you. They're very plain and simple. However, for pricing, they are looking for price reasonableness. So we know this avoid unbalanced pricing. And here we are exactly where we want to be for our, our technical evaluation, how the winning bidder will be chosen slash as they put them together. Sometimes what's required in my proposal response. And this is the information that we pulled from the Sam Nakov listing page, A, B, C, and D relevant experience, technical approach, past performance and pricing. And then they go into a bit more detail on what that is. However, technical proposals will be rated from excellent to good to fair to poor to not applicable. Okay. So for relevant experience, they're going to look at the type of, of trucking hauling service pre previously done by the offer. They're also going to be looking for similarity in work size, whether it's state governments or commercial work. Okay. Then technical approach. Basically, you got to meet the, the requirements of the statement of work. So how would you meet the requirements of the statement of work? Don't just repeat back the statement of work to them. How would you do it? What would be your approach? And that should include insurance, equipment, drivers, labor. What's that all going to look like for you as you write to your how? Past performance. We always say uh, recency and relevancy, but they're looking for size, scope, complexity of the statement of work for what you're going to be presenting. And again, for those of you who say, I don't have past performance, if the government receives no past performance, the offer will receive a neutral rating. So it doesn't help you and doesn't go against you, but then the past performance will be rated based on substantial confidence satisfactory, limited, no, or neutral. So again, neutral is better than none, but we don't know how it's going to stack up against some of these other ratings. The price eval, we already, we already touched on that. So we have one document. It's all here. This is how you would go about putting together your response. You're going to have to be doing a best value offer to try to win this thing. Um, it does look like a pretty good contract for those of you who are in uh, freight, trucking, hauling, and logistics. I'm not sure if we skipped over it. When was this due again? September 9th. So you actually do have a little bit more than a week 
if it's something you want to go after. Pretty straightforward, I think. Let me know what you think. So we'll go ahead and say hello. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, guys watching. Hello. We're streaming to YouTube and LinkedIn. And then after we finish our lives, we also put these up into our podcast on Spotify. If you want to check out Sam Backup Bids live as a podcast, all episodes are uploaded there as well. And um, that way you can go for your long car trips or commutes to work or whatever it is you do. And if you don't have to uh, watch the video, you can just put on the speakers. We are there as well. And guys, let me know um, questions that you have, anything. We check those uh, in between bids if you're new here. And we'd like to keep the train rolling, which is what we will do. And hello, Mady. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. So the next contract that we're looking at is environmental consulting services. So this is for the Department of Transportation. Also due September 9th. So a little more than a week from now. Small business set aside. Environmental consulting specific NAICS code, which is nice. And this is going to be performed at Kings Point, New York. Not a whole lot here, but we do have two attachments, which we're probably going to get right into. So for environmental consulting, we have today's the day of twos. This is now 22 pages long instead of 222 pages. So SF 1449 form. actually looking like a person, like a warm body. They're saying here, environmental protection specialist. Okay. Then they're giving us a GS level equivalent. Number of positions, one. Work to start September 20th for one year. And we didn't see any bases. So let's see, or, or not bases, any options. So for those of you that are in, in staffing, looking to provide people, they keep reminding us one position, somebody who does environmental consulting. And another giveaway, when you're, you're looking for, how many hours do they work? 1920, whenever you see 1920, that's one FTE. That's one full-time equivalent. Uh, it's, a, it's a one person's manpower for a year of work. So if you ever see 1920 or a multiple of that, you know, like times two, times three, times four, that could mean one, two, three, or four people, right? So if you're going to be recruiting, staffing this person, they're giving you the duties and responsibilities. So this is the information you would want to share with them. Obviously, boil it down, but this is going to be their job. For example, develop, administer, direct uh, program areas for the protection of the environment by the prevention, control, and abatement uh of the facilities also perform surveys inspections and evals for industrial hygiene waste management pollution control fire prevention right so a person who lives and breathes this to basically be the go-to guy or gal for this facility prepares uh permits you know develop and minister training programs so the list goes on but i think you kind of get the point We've got some clauses, invoicing. All right, submission of proposals, instruction to offerers. So for your proposal, what they want for this, two volumes, okay? PDF, volume one, non-price factors, which could be technical and past performance or other stuff. They're saying technical proposal. So volume one, technical proposal, volume two, pricing. So volume one shall not exceed 20 pages. So guys, uh, many times less is more. Don't give them the fluff. Don't give them the crap. Just give them what they're asking for. That doesn't mean it has to be 20 pages. And if you can do it in 10, I would do it in 10. So volume one should include resumes, 
and past performance. That's what they want. All of that, less than 20 pages. Volume two shall not exceed two pages. And that's, I believe they already said was, was pricing. Okay, so now that gives a bit more detail and information. They are gonna be awarding based on what's most advantageous to the government, price and other factors considered. So not looking like a lowest price uh, award either. What they're gonna be looking for is technical past performance and price. The three core things that make up any standard government proposal. So factor one, factor two, factor three is what they're gonna be grading based off of. So factor one, they want you to basically, well, let's see what they say. Meet the requirements and narrative describing your ability to perform all tasks in the statement of work. Okay, we see it again and again. All, also offers shall propose up to two individuals capable of performing the work. One resume must be provided per individual. So basically a lead and then a backup because we know this is just one person, but they want to make sure if the person backs out or if you're doing a bait and switch thing or something like that, they have the other resume to fall back on. So they want to see that and have confidence in that in your factor one. Put that in your proposal. Factor two, past performance up to three clients, including the name, address, phone number, description of the job, type of service provided. Pretty, pretty standard stuff. An offer with no past performance will be evaluated as neutral. And then factor three, the government will evaluate price reasonableness of the total price. So are you high, are you low? Is the pricing imbalanced? Order of importance of these factors, technical is more important than past performance, okay? So if you can do a really good technical and you don't have past performance or you're getting a neutral rating, then you're still in the game. Technical and past performance, when combined, are significantly more important than price, which is the government telling you, we are willing to pay more to get the best value again. And then straight up now, uh, basis for award, they're straight up telling us, award will be made without discussions based on best value trade-off. So there we go, um, straight from their mouth. So we have some uh, reps and certs, and that is it. We have just one more attachment, curious what it, what it is. Um, award performance info. So it says, a previous contractor has not been issued a contract for this. This is a new requirement. And so they're kind of leaving this blank because there is no incumbent information is what it's telling us. So good to know. So I actually really like this. This is very, very doable. Um, it is staffing. I think you could find somebody to do this. You do have to propose those two resumes, right? You do have to lay out a plan how you would, you know, do this by basically what you do with staffing is, um, you write to the statement of work, but you can have your candidate help you um, write to it because they're the ones that are really doing it. So get on the phone with them, tell, have them tell you how they would do this. And then you write that down, right? Because that is the approach that the candidate would be using, right? Then past performance, you put it or you don't. If you don't, you have neutral rating. We already saw that. But what about for pricing? We don't have any pricing tables. So in that event, we could utilize our SF-1449 form. And this is for one year, so it's not complicated. Um, we could insert the pricing right here. You could always ask contracting if you wanted more confidence, but we don't have any pricing tables. And what you could also do is still, you know, print, date, and sign your SF-49 form uh, and extract that from this and get your own proposal going. And then you could also build out some sort of Microsoft Word table in there as well for the pricing. It's just kind of like another option. 
All right. Uh, Caleb Johnson. Thanks, man. Learned a lot from your videos. Hey, Caleb. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, and thanks for hanging out with us today. And I'm super uh, glad to hear that you've gotten some value. That's what we're here for. Jay Storm, what's up? Hey, D, thanks for doing these trainings. Would you be so kind as to look into an example of a product-based solicitation with minority corporations set aside? I believe the fiscal year ends in October. So I guess a couple clarifications on that. Um, there in federal contracting, there is no such thing that exists as a minority set aside. Sorry to break it to you. Um, and I'm speaking to everybody because this is something that comes up a lot. There are zero minority set-asides, say like MBE or whatever, uh, that may exist on state levels or county levels. There's nothing minority in federal contracts at all. There's something called the 8A program, but that's not a minority program. It's a socially, socially economically disadvantaged program where any race or any background can get into the program you just have to literally write a convincing letter as part of your application as to why you're socially economically disadvantaged and why you should get to be in the 8A program. So that's the closest thing that exists for minority contracts, um, but there's not straight minority contracts in federal contracting. The fiscal year ends at end of September, so very close. Um, the new year starts in October. We do do um, some examples, not a whole lot, for product-based solicitations. And the reason for that is there's really not a lot to be learned from it. Um, they are out there. I will try to you know, incorporate one or two uh, as I'm picking through bids for the future. It's just not a whole lot to learn from it. Usually they're price only and the price is gonna be based on the supplier, manufacturer, or you, know, you being authorized reseller or something like that. But if you have specific uh, questions about those, uh, that you're wanting to, that, that leads you to asking this question, um, please feel free to ask those questions um, so that I can be of more benefit that way also. Um, do you have a previous video that covers just the ranking evaluation of a proposal from a corporation? I'm not sure I understand this one. So, Proposals are ranked and evaluated. It's different for every single bid. I could tell you technical pass performance and pricing are the core three that are often or almost always required in RFPs and are sometimes required in RFQs. Uh, but the order of importance, how they will be weighted differently when you say evaluation, those are the things that come to my mind and those are different for every single bid. So to get that info, you just have to check out the evaluation factors uh, in whatever solicitation it is that you're asking the question about. Um, but in terms of like some overall general overarching thing that applies to all contracts, it doesn't really exist if I'm understanding the question properly, because again, all bids are different. So therefore how they are rated is, is always different. Uh, just made this. Hey, I recently subscribed. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. How long? So how long does it take for your sub to get back with you with their information? Um, so this leads to a, a good point. Guys, you, you have to drive the subs. Anytime you ask for something from a sub, for example, um, you need to have like a suspense date tied to it because they've got other stuff going on besides quoting the job for you they're performing work and quoting other jobs. So you are never going to be like at the top of their list probably. So when you're asking for information from them, like, Hey, you know, you attended the site visit, quote the job, you know, or we need your past performance to include in our response to the government. You got to give them a suspense date. And that date should be a few days before your proposal is also due to the government. So that way there is also a soft cushion. Um, and then you just kind of need to push and you need to ride them a little bit, kind of be on their butts and it's to your own benefit. And it's, it's kind of like kind of annoying and it's a little stressful, but subs are like children. So you, you got to stay on top of them. You got to be clear about what you want. You have to have clear expectations. 
and um, you have to build in cushions and leeways because they're going to mess it up. That doesn't mean they're a bad sub. Almost all subs are that way. If you find a sub who is stellar, hang on to them because it's not usually the case. Yep, JStorm, you got it. Uh, Caleb, because I saw online that all contracts online were 25K plus. Not sure if that was accurate. So yeah, certain agencies have certain thresholds. Um, sometimes there are, con not sometimes, there are contracts sometimes that are not posted, for example, on SAM or anywhere else because they're so small and they don't have to be posted on SAM. You can see a contract on SAM that ends up going for 10K. So it's not a rule that none of them are on there, but there are those limits that the agencies have that allows um, contracting to not post it publicly. And they can even do like, like oral offers, like, like literally like over the phone, like you don't see a whole lot of that, but exists for very small stuff. And yeah, like we don't spend a whole lot of time on that because, well, how can you, what is there? You know, you have to have a relationship to get to that point. And it's just a whole strategy that I don't use because I like working with stuff that's publicly posted. You can see who's posting it. You see what offices are posting it. You get to get an idea over time of what they're buying so that you have like a viable business model and a, uh, like a proof of concept versus you don't know what they're buying behind the scenes. And because it's such a small dollar value, you're not going to make hardly any money on it. And the margins are going to be super small at that as well. Otherwise, I'll just go to the next guy. So you can do that. Um, I don't teach people how to do that. I've done it a few times just in my career, but it's nothing that I've ever taught because I think your time can be better spent on work that's more profitable and also work that is based on building skills. Because sure, you can get lucky right? Or sure, you can have a good relationship. But as soon as that person leaves or whatever, if that's your whole business model, then what the heck versus creating something that you can do again and again, week after week, month after month, year after year, coming to Sam, learn the process and be strategic about that. Um, that that's what I like to, to teach and spend time on. Uh, Vitality Rehab. Hey, Derek, can we do solicitation for residential facilities? Um, it just kind of depends. Um, I, I pull what I pull for the day. I don't see actually a whole lot for residential facilities, to be honest. But um, again, I prefer you to like bring uh, specific questions if you have them to the lives. Um, if you are looking for more like one-on-one -on -one type support with me directly, that's what we do in the coaching program. So um, I don't do that for the lives. These are just kind of like examples and it's what I pull. If you're looking to work on stuff together every week and really dive into what you're, you're, you know, working on and what you're looking at and you're deciding to go after, um, I get on zoom twice every single week. So basically every day I'm not doing a live, I'm spending half of a day with coaching clients going through the stuff that they're working on and then they're submitting bids and then they're winning. So this is kind of like the mirror or like what I do with the rest of the time um, during these lives. Uh, otherwise I'm, I'm working with clients in the program. So if you're looking for that type of support, um, govkidmethod.com, I've got a, a link there, gives you um, all the information. It is application only, um, but, but yeah, that would probably be the best suited place for something like that for sure. All right, guys, let's keep the train rolling. Uh, great questions, great engagement. And I think we're actually on a pretty good track time-wise. Let me see here. This is where we left. Yeah, we left off with environmental consulting. Now we're jumping to number three, industrial hygiene survey. So this is for U.S. Property and Fiscal Office for the Army National Guard. Place performance. Yeah, it's going to be Puerto Rico. It's looking like. Yep. San Juan. This is a request for quote. Not sure if this is for people or more of a project-based thing, so we will find out. We have three attachments, a statement of work, solicitation, and 
a quote template. So potentially something to do with our pricing. So we will go ahead and check out our solicitation. Okay, SF 1449 form. If you guys, if you've watched multiple episodes, you know, and I realized like, man, we're going through so many bids every single week now. Um, like if you were to watch, like say all three episodes in a week, we're burning through like 15 bids. So you're seeing things. If you're watching, you're seeing a lot of the same stuff again and again and again and again. And that's my goal for you. I'm not trying to soapbox right now, but if you can start seeing things again and again and again, then you're going to start to draw a line between normal stuff and non-normal stuff. And then the normal stuff is going to start to feel comfortable. And then that's going to free you up some bandwidth to reinvest in the stuff that's not comfortable until that stuff also becomes normal stuff. So you just start, you know, pickaxing away against uh, these things that we go through until almost all of it is normal stuff. And you get to a point of uh, very strong proficiency and it takes a lot to kind of throw you off guard. So we do a lot of reps for that reason. And I hope, I hope you follow that. I hope that makes sense to you. And I hope that is the payoff that you're, you're seeing. Anyways, two locations. Uh, we know this is San Juan. So Salinas or Puerto Rico rather. So Salinas and San Juan. All right. Submission of quotes. Did I skip over the due date again? It's my bad. September 2nd. So this is actually due tomorrow. So this is more of an example. But for the quote, solicitation, name, address, reps, and certs, acknowledge any amendments. Quote must include a statement specifying that you agree with all terms and conditions. They want three volumes, technical, past performance, and price, or in this case, technical, price, past performance. So this is really nice. They're actually spilling this out for us. Very nice. Exactly what they want. Use the industrial hygiene quote template for the technical info, which is going to be this. I'm imagining it's going to be our quote template here. So we'll circle back to that. The quote shall define the policies and procedures for overall management. And again, what type of work is this we're looking at? This is for industrial hygiene survey. The quote should be practical and prepared simply and economically straightforward. Okay. These are kind of vague things that are hard to rate based off of, but a statement of understanding the offer shall submit a brief statement that demonstrates uh, basically understanding of the statement of work. And to their, to their point, this cannot be a repeat or a mere summary of the PWS, but rather a statement of understanding of the required work. And I dare say a reflection of your methodology and your approach to how you're going to do it. So it's volume one, volume two, price. Fill out the pricing information uh, attachment, which I didn't see. Maybe it's also in that other attachment. This also should include travel. And then past performance is past performance. They're looking for at least two contracts. So you only need two for this one. Yeah. Questions are due August. So they're due a week ago. We're getting to this one pretty late. This is interesting. Um, multiple quotes. Offers are encouraged to submit. And this is sometimes called alternative proposals, guys. This is a good thing to, to learn from. So listen. Offers are encouraged to submit multiple quotes presenting alternative terms and conditions or commercial items for satisfying the requirement. Each quote submitted will be evaluated separately. So if you're like, okay, government, I know you're asking for this and you're asking for these specific things. Okay, here you go, here it is. But we have another proposal. If you didn't consider doing it this way, this way actually makes more sense because we're the expert and you're not. From our expertise, it makes more sense to do it this way and it's also going to you know, give the government a cost savings or the bang for the buck that the government's going to receive for just a little bit more is going to be huge. That's the type of uh, thing, angle you could take with multiple quotes. And you could actually do that for uh, 
any solicitation. It's not guaranteed that they're going to consider it, but um, it's called alternate proposals. And those are usually also accepted. Not something that we see very often. All right, evals, technical, past performance, price. Most advantageous, price and other factors considered. They are using simplified acquisition procedures, should be under 250K. They are saying that they're gonna utilize a lowest price eval, but what that means is you have to be considered technically acceptable. So that's what this chart is showing. This is pass fail, acceptable, unacceptable. They look at your price last. They look at your proposal first. If your proposal gets a check, they'll look at your price. If your proposal gets an X, they won't even look at your price, okay? So only the proposals and the prices that have received checks will then be basically compared against one another. And then they're also gonna check for price reasonableness when they look at the price and throw out any outliers that don't make sense. And then whoever the lowest price is gonna be is gonna win. So there's a lot more to it than just whoever's the lowest price. So technical price and then the past performance. Past performance is gonna be rated again, pass fail or neutral. Looks like we have a pricing clean down here, which is nice. So here's where your pricing is gonna be just for one quantity job survey. They just want it, they just want the survey start September 19th and it'll go through the 18th of next year. So one whole year, I guess. I don't know how long these surveys take. So pretty good stuff here. Um, like I said, I am curious. So I do now want to at least take a glance. Statement of work is here um, for the interest of time. I'm not going to dig into it because we know it's a, a survey, but the details of how long that would take and what would be required would be listed there. So this is that quote template. Wow, so this is really nice actually. There, you don't really see this very often guys. Okay, this is really, really unique. They're giving you their proposal. They even give you the, the, the table of contents to go with it. You just have to fill it out. This is crazy. So literally company address. Okay. Cage 10. Once a quote is received. Okay. That's fine. And then we come down here. Volume one technical, please provide a statement which describes your understanding of the PWS. Just Fill it out in this box. Pricing, fill out this. They've already made the table for you. Performance history. Offers must submit at least two. And then some past performance examples. Just, and, and like you could straight up copy and paste this. Like this is usually what they ask for to some degree uh, in any past performance anyways. So you just have to fill this stuff out. Probably the most straightforward proposal request I've ever seen in my life. I've never ever seen it where they actually tee up the proposal for you. And guys, for those of you who don't know how to write proposals, I, I think I should save this. I think I should literally save this because for those of you who get geeked out, um, I say everybody when it comes to proposals, you should never, ever, ever, ever be starting with a blank sheet of paper. If you're starting with a blank sheet of paper, you're doing it wrong. You should be starting with like a cover letter that goes into a table of contents. And then after that, you take the information, you copy and paste it from the solicitation, um, technical, past performance, price, these things that we keep talking about that they're asking for and they're going to evaluate you based on, you put that info in there, you write to it, and then you take out the stuff you copy and pasted that doesn't make sense to be in there anymore. And now you have an 80% complete proposal. Okay. So uh, you're starting at like the 30% mark minimum or like the clients I work with, we have proposal docs and proposal templates that you can plug and chug like staffing plans and management plans and stuff like that. Then you're really starting at like the 50 to 60% mark and you just got to fill out the rest. So 
if you were doing your proposals from a blank sheet of paper, again, you're doing it wrong and use this as proof in the pudding where a contracting officer is giving you a very baseline like proposal, but you just have to fill it out. Okay. This is what a proposal will look like when you do it at a very high level and basic level. So pretty cool, actually. <clears throat> really happy that we came across that. All righty. Uh, Florida Star says, the way you navigate is helping. Just received my cage code today. It took two months, just like you said. Well, I'm sorry to hear that it took two months, but I'm even more happy to hear that you got the cage code because I understand um, what the words of Tom Petty, the weight is the hardest part, right? Kind of cheesy, I know. But Alyssa, some contracts require certs. Is it okay to bid and then apply for certs? Thank you. Depends on what certs you're talking about. Um, to bid on SAM, you have to have SAM.gov registration, which is reflective of having your cage code. That's what you need to bid on SAM. If there's things outside of that that are bid specific that the contracting officer is asking for, then I suppose you need to um, provide that. I don't see that a whole lot though. And it sounds like it's probably pretty specific. Um, not something that's general and overarching that we see, but a lot of the things, and I think this is coming to your question is a lot of the things the government asks for is you need to provide that within, you need to provide it as a submittal within so many days of being awarded the contract. And they tell you how many days right in the solicitation. So within, you know, a week or 10 days or 20 days or 30 days, we need to provide this. So it wouldn't make sense for you to apply for it if you don't even win the contract. So just make sure if it's that type of situation that you only do it if you win the contract. Freddie says, I haven't submitted a bid because honestly, I'm afraid that I'm not understanding all the info and addendum and stuff. Help. Uh, I'm here to help Freddie. I can answer specific questions or if you're looking for more um, of a handholding type thing, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that's what I do with the clients that I work with. So, you know, if you're looking to, you know, invest in support on that level, um, I do offer that. Otherwise, you know, ask specific questions and, and I can try to help that way. I've had my uh, cage code for over a year now. Yeah. And if it's just fear, um, just try it, you know, like start with something simple, start with something that's not a lot of risk. Start with something comfortable and, and in terms of a pricing strategy, you uh, you always want to use numbers that you feel good with when you go to bed at night. That's kind of the good uh, analogy that I like to use. There is such a thing called bad business and we don't want to be bidding on contracts and then hoping we don't win it because we're so afraid. Okay. So if you can relate to that, so can I, we need to make sure there's enough cushion in there or, or whatever. You still want to be competitive, but you don't want to be taking work that could be bad if you win it. And sometimes that is causing the fear that prevents us from moving forward. All right, cool. Let's check out our next one. I don't know that we'll have time for all five today. This may be our, our number four. And this may be our last one. We'll see. So Warrior Fit Program. Again, Army National Guard. This is SDVOSB, so service disabled. Hanscom Air Force Base. We have a few attachments here, a statement of work, past performance interviews, clauses, solicitation doc, combined synopsis, solicitation doc. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's just the wage termination. So yeah, WD and then the solicitation doc and then a Q&A. Pretty straightforward. And I open the wage termination when I mean to open the solicitation. Okay, this is eight pages. Hopefully it's jam-packed a good info because it is our solicitation. We're hit with a pricing table. And again, this is for Warrior Fit Program, which we don't know what that means yet. 
Contractors shall provide all personnel, materials, and other resources to perform the requirements of the Army Warrior Fit. This is one job. So it's just going to be one number, one price. Also travel. They want to know what the travel amount is going to be, and they're allowing you to break that out. Proposal submitted shall be divided into four sections below. So these are the four sections. Section one, administrative information section. So your company info, making your, yeah, basically making your pricing good for 50 days. Ensuring that you are meeting limitations on subcontracting because this is SDV OSB. This is not small business only. And then your reps and certs. So they want to see that in section one, section two. Resumes for lead human performance integrator, uh, nutrition coach, injury prevention coach. These are the type of things that they need for the Warrior Fit program. This is going to have to be part of your team and they want to see resumes for that. They also want a, a narrative, no more than three pages, 12 point font, describing your approach. And then a detailed description, not exceeding 10 pages for workshops, seminars, screenings that are also gonna be part of the program. So we kind of get the, the hint. These are the things, when I say copy and paste guys, put in to put into your proposal, so that you're not starting with a blank sheet of paper. This is what I'm talking about. You put this in and you can abbreviate it. You can shorten it. But this way, you know, you're responding to it. And then after you've responded to it, you can take it back out or um, just kind of like do a, a real abbreviation of it. But like this whole paragraph here, you wouldn't want to do that. So you copy and paste it now, but then, then take this out. Um, but do that for all of these so that you're responding compliantly section by section for what they're going to be grading you based off of past performance no more than five over the last five years and then pricing fill out the pricing cleanse they're saying with exception of the travel clean because the government is providing an amount for that which they will sometimes do. This one, they're saying multiple proposals will not be accepted. So do your best shot the first time. And this is gonna kick off September 20, wait a minute. Looks like they messed up their dates. They've got uh, 2021. So I'm guessing this is supposed to be 2022 to 2023. Um, you could always make that clarification with contracting. This was either a typo or a copy and paste mistake. So you could always correct that POP in here uh, if you would like to. In addition to that, what else do we have? Curious what this Q&A is. Again, you guys always submit questions to contracting. It should be... Uh, normal for you to do that for every bid or almost every bid. These are the contracting officer's responses to other questions that were asked. For example, would you consider extending the due date? The due date has been extended to September 9th. Okay. You see what I mean? Like if you don't ask, you don't get, they gain like, I don't know, a whole week. Are there incumbent employees? They're saying non-displacement of qualified workers. In other terms, like the right of first refusal. So if somebody else is already doing this, you still offer them to keep their job. And if they decide, hey, you know, you bid this lower and we have to take a pay cut. We don't want to do this. We're going to walk. Then you can replace them with your own people. But you can't just come in, clean house and replace them with your own people right away. That's what non-displacement means. The previous contract is this number. It's almost a million dollars, so 995. However, the scope has changed. So however, this contract is for different requirements. So I tell you guys this all the time, and even my, my coaching clients, 
um, who want to, you know, we want to go on FPDS and see what the previous values were. But is it still apples to apples? You know, when you're looking up pricing information, is the contract exactly the same? Or do we have an incumbent, but they've either descoped it or they added to the scope. So now the price is going to change greatly uh, because of the change in what the work's being done. Because if we just stick on whatever the previous value was and we're like, okay, we're going to go a little lower than that, but they added to the scope, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So you can use that as a piece of your pricing strategy and you should, but you need to make sure that you understand what that price is reflective of. And we don't always get to see what the old solicitation was. Like usually you never get to see that unless you submit a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. But I think they've even done away with that now for the last few years. So it's often hard to get a true apples to apples comparison between the two. So just be careful when you're basing things off of a previous incumbent value. It's helpful, gives you a ballpark, but you're not out of the weeds yet. So this is why answering or, or rather reading through contracting's answers to questions is, is vital and a vital part of your, your systems and your approach to bidding on these contracts because sometimes information in here that you find is more helpful than even the solicitation itself. And like, hey, I can't find, Derek, you know, you tell me, is it best value or lowest price? I can't find it. Somebody just asked, what is the basis of award? Contracting tells them, oh, it's best value. Okay, so don't be afraid to ask questions. Are these question FTEs, full-time equivalents? The government says these questions are full-time equivalents. So these questions are very basic. I guess that's what I'm trying to use as a learning uh, opportunity from these. If you feel like you have basic questions, well, so does everybody else. So you might as well just ask them and do yourself a favor. Or if you don't get it and you don't like it, just move on, move on to the next one and then ask questions for that one. So I hope that makes sense, guys. We try to... I know what we do here, it kind of looks like we do like the same approach, but there's really multiple different things I'm trying to demonstrate to you and instill into you so that you have approach to Sam and you have a, a, a compliant and a solid approach to bidding and something that is repeatable that will allow you to build your skill levels. So that's why we spend time on some of these things when we get the chance. Today, I don't think we will have time for the last solicitation, but we will do one more check into our chat. Freddie says, uh, I thought about starting with products, but I'm in construction. Freddie, if you are in construction, uh, there's lots of amazing construction opportunities. I'm not sure why you would go to products. I guess it's just because you're fearful. Um, educate yourself, um, learn the process, because if you want to do this, I'll tell you construction is going to be Construction is going to keep you in the long game a lot more than uh, products will kind of being on that, that hamster wheel. It gets old really quickly. And uh, we also have um, Benel services. Hello. Hello. All right, guys, if you enjoyed the session today, smash that like button. If you would um, signals, all those good things to the algorithm, or if you're new here and you haven't subscribed yet, but you're still watching and you're not a subscriber, why not subscribe? Um, that's also going to allow you to get updates when we go on future lives. That way you can bring future questions and get some more value for yourself that way. Uh, it's going to conclude our sessions for, uh, for the week, but we will be picking up back next week with some more live sessions. And if you guys are looking for, um, additional support, I know I touched on a, a few things. I'll just show you. Um, we've got a free training. Uh, I recommend everybody go through that one second. Let me get that pulled up. We've got a free awesome masterclass. I recommend everybody go through. And I'll show you where you can get that. Just go to govcommethod.com. It's free training right there. You can't miss it. You click on that. All you got to do is uh, click and roll. And then you are off to the races. If you're looking for... Uh, making an investment. Um, we do have a couple of different options. Our bidding bundle is is awesome and we just launched it. It's all of our great bidding resources tied together. 
as well as our uh, get started bidding on Sam program in 30 days or less that I require all my coaching clients to go through as well, um, along with those proposal templates and builder docs and CAPE statements and everything you need, right? Um, and it's not nearly as much of an investment as the coaching is. But if you are looking um, for coaching, it is application only. We're super picky about who we work with. And you can find more information and the application on this page and just click the button to start applying. But uh, again, really just get into the, the free masterclass. I recommend there's a lot of great stuff in there. I just recorded it a couple months ago. It's brand new. It's updated with all the SAM changes and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, guys, definitely. Hey, thanks, Freddie. Appreciate you. Subscribed and liked. Um, appreciate you, Florida Star as well. Benel Services. Who else do we have today? Uh, Eliza or Elisa. Jay Storm, thank you. Vitality Rehab, a returning uh, viewer as well. Caleb Johnson. Just made this. Everybody. And uh, Mady as well. Thank you guys for all hanging out today. And we will see you all in the next one. Take care.